0: The following steps on the transcendental dependent arising are the next deeper absorptions. The one I described this morning was the very first one, so to say, the first room in that eight room house. And once having entered that house, there's no real difficulty in continuing to enter the other rooms. It is a natural progression. And in the second one, in the second absorption, the two initial factors disappear. The initial factors which were the initial application and sustained application. They are no longer necessary because having been able to be one-pointedly concentrated there is no need to apply oneself again. So it is a natural progression which centers upon the factor which already arose in the first Jhana, namely the happiness, the joy. Because of the very pleasant physical sensations which are present in the first absorption, the uh, joy arises with it, however in the second step one needs to separate the physical feeling from the emotional joy. And the meditator knows at that time quite um, consciously that physical feelings are still a very gross uh, sensation and naturally wants to progress towards something which is more subtle. And the emotional joy is comparatively more subtle than the physical feeling. Since it is already present in the first absorption, there's no difficulty in reaching towards it. It's a matter of separation, which means letting go of the physical sensation as a focus of attention and putting one's attention on the emotional aspect of being happy. It is progressively always another letting go. So here the first step is the letting go of this physical feeling. The physical feeling and the joy are both still somewhat a feeling of some excitement with them. They are um, quite at first quite amazing, and quite exciting. And although they have already a depth of concentration, there is a natural understanding that that surely can't be all. However, in the second jhana, self-confidence arises a kind of self-confidence which is not the feeling of superiority because that would not be confidence that is usually based on a feeling of inferiority. But it's a confidence of being able to find happiness within and to find it at will, not hit or miss. When it is still a hit or miss, it is not something that inspires confidence. However, when it becomes an established procedure, then the self-confidence arises, not only of finding happiness within, but also of being able to progress along this spiritual path. It is such a marked progression, one knows so exactly that it's so entirely different from all the discursive thinking one has been doing until then that one gains the confidence that it is possible for oneself to carry on. This self-confidence for the spiritual path and for finding happiness within has resultants in daily life. And one of them which is quite um, significant is a lessening of looking for appreciation and um, support from others. Because one is now able to have this inner support, one can become independent and self sufficient. Since we're all looking for happiness. To be self-sufficient in happiness is of course an enormously important step. Up to then we've been looking for happiness somewhere else, somewhere from outside. To become really self-sufficient in that which we truly want carries with it an inner security which is not dependent upon other people's approval. And it is not dependent upon the understanding of others, the uh, love of others. If one gets it, that's very nice. And if one doesn't get it, one's inner happiness is not in any way impaired because that inner happiness depends on concentration and not on somebody else's approval. And from that, of course, arises a very distinct understanding that one is the maker of one's own happiness or unhappiness. And one loses a lot of the foolishness that we carry around with us, namely of thinking, detrimental thoughts, to our own happiness so you can see from this already I think that the path of samatha of samadhi if it is done correctly brings with it insight vipassana if it doesn't it's not done correctly The path of Samatha is the means. And if we don't use it as the most skillful means for gaining insight, then we have missed the point. But these insights arise to an intelligent mind, I would say almost automatically. There is nothing that one has to grasp or crave for getting insight having had a certain experience makes it possible to relate from that experience to other experiences it is the same with all the experiences in our lives having had a certain experience like maybe not watching carefully when crossing a street and almost being run over makes it possible for us to relate to future crossings of the street and having the insight that it's necessary to watch without even half trying to gain that insight. It's an automatic progression. So having had the experience of the um, inner happiness resulting only from concentration, it's an automatic progression that we realize that it isn't other people or outer circumstances that are going to make us happy or unhappy. It's entirely up to us. And that self-confidence that comes with it shows us that we're actually able, capable of making ourselves happy. And that capacity of making oneself happy, not through indulgence, not through sense pleasures, but strictly through practice, which entails self-discipline, is the most important, most significant aspect of staying with the practice and becoming more and more imbued with the fact that there's nothing more important to do. So the second jhana, the second meditative absorption has that as a resultant, this self-confidence. and. Still the meditator knows that even this inner joy has a certain gross aspect to it because there's a certain excitement with it. And as a natural step, he goes towards something which is more restful, more peaceful having had the inner joy the thing that the the quality that arises within is contentment and the next depth of absorption can be called contentment traditionally it's not called that but it makes when experiencing it, it has definitely that quality and it has the quality as if the mind is settling, settling down. Whereas in the experience of the physical rapture and the inner joy, the mind appears to be sort of flying high Now, being contented, it settles down. And the actual experience can be, it usually is, as if the mind is moving downward, which it certainly isn't, but this is just a feeling which arises. Because of having been happy, the wishes and desires which are usually present in one, even subconsciously, because one isn't totally content, totally fulfilled, subside at that time. And therefore the depth of this contentment can arise, which is peaceful. It is peaceful because when there is no desire, when there is no craving, then there's also no dukkha. And at that time, no dukkha brings this contentment. There is a very telling and interesting um, simile given in one of the commentaries of the first four absorptions. And they may illustrate what happens quite vividly. The first thing that happens and that is illustrated. It is as if a person is wandering through the desert without any water and is extremely thirsty. Now that is when we are meditating with discursive thought. We are thirsty for peacefulness. We're thirsty for having some inner um, ease and harmony but we're still wandering through the desert of our discursive thinking, and we haven't got any water to drink yet. And then the next simile that's given is that this person that's been wandering through the desert, very thirsty, sees in the distance a pond of water. And seeing this pond with water he becomes somewhat excited and certainly extremely interested. Now that is the simile given for the first aspect of this physical rapture, which has excitement in it, but is also possible to translate the word piti as interest, because this is when real interest in meditation arises. This is when most people, not all, but most people who have experienced it will not ever stop meditating again. Now that is a generalization and isn't always true, but it is most of the time it would hold true. So this person that's wandering through the desert without any water is seeing this pond of water in the distance becomes quite excited and also he gets a feeling of hopefulness he gets a feeling of um, uh, pleasure that there is water so that's a simile for the first uh, absorption and then he draws near he walks towards this water and he draws near to the water and um, he stands right there at the edge of it and he's very joyful now that. He's going to be able to drink this water. He's got a lot of joy, but he's still excited because he still hasn't really drunk it. And then he bends down to drink it. And so he's very contented. He got what he wanted. He feels real contentment. And then having drunk the water, being contented and at ease now, not so excited anymore. He goes to a, sh- a tree nearby and lies down in the shade. and he's totally at ease. Now that's the fourth absorption, the fourth jhana, lying down in the t- under the tree in the shade as a simile, and having had all that one wanted. Now in the third one, where the contentment arises, the physical feeling is already disappeared. The physical feeling of rapture has disappeared. The one-pointedness and the happiness have remained from the five factors. Only two have remained. And now, in the fourth absorption, only one remains. It is the one-pointedness which goes together with equanimity. It is a total peacefulness, and this peacefulness is such a, of such depth that at that time sounds are no longer heard. The depth of that peacefulness has the quality. Of being a complete rest for the mind this is the state of meditation where the mind regenerates itself the regeneration of the mind is something that we don't usually pay enough attention to we are apt to take our mind for granted it just keeps churning around It works from morning to night and it dreams from night to morning It's ever so busy and we take it for granted that it will keep on doing that All the time and we're hoping that one day it might do it better but unless we give it the potential to do it better it's highly unlikely that it will on the contrary it will do it worse because the mind being the finest tool there is in the whole of the universe can be compared to any fine tool if it is abused if it isn't given any moment of rest oiled, taken in out of the rain it will eventually stop functioning or at least not function very well. So instead of hoping that it one day will be better, we need to realize that by overworking it the way we do with all our discursive thinking, it's going to get worse. And having the potential to regenerate itself, it makes it imperative that we make use of that potential. When it has a complete rest where it does not attend to any sense contact, it is completely secluded, it has reverted back into itself. All the four absorptions are states of getting in touch with the original purity of one's own mind. The original purity of one's own mind is available, not overlaid with thinking. It is our thinking process which bring the defilements, And because the thinking doesn't stop, therefore we are no longer aware of that original purity. However, in these absorptions, we have an opportunity to get back to original mind original mind is like that it has the potential of rapture joy contentment and peace and being able to experience that makes it also possible to go further on the path of insight and although these absorptions <coughs> are first mentioned in the dependent arising as the necessary steps to go through and insight to come as a result, we can already see that when we have such states of mind where there is nothing that we wish for, Nothing that is anymore a problem that the world no longer holds the same attraction for us that it used to. When the world no longer holds the same attraction for us that it used to, we're on the way to Nibbana. All of the meditation done in the Buddhist way are meant to go in that direction. When we have the opportunity and the ability to gain within exactly that which we may have subconsciously yearned for, then we no longer search for it without. And our insight can quite clearly tell us that we had already looked long enough and it wasn't there anyway. But it is the experience which tells. It is the experience of being able to have a state of mind which is totally peaceful, which has no contact with the senses, which tells us that our senses are our temptations. And they give us a better insight. This state gives us a better insight into what our senses are constantly doing to us. They are constantly tempting us into reacting And only when we have an experience without sense contact, totally without sense contact, which is so much superior to any experience we may have previously had, are we willing and able to leave out this search for the pleasant sense contact. That doesn't mean we won't have any anymore. On the contrary, there are pleasant sense contacts to anyone who has halfway good karma. But they're seen for what they are. They're only a very fleeting sensation. The states of absorption, the first four, which are fine material, give the mind the ability to accept the fact that eventually we will find that the personality which we thought we are is a complete delusion. It's not a matter of knowing that, it's a matter of experiencing it. And when it is experienced, which it can be, without having been able to have meditative absorptions, it usually results in terror, which needs qualifying this and uh, explaining and getting over. Because the mind which has not its own inner happiness, its own inner peace, finds it almost impossible to immediately accept that all the striving that we've ever done has been in vain. But the mind, which is already peaceful and happy, has absolutely no objections. On the contrary, is delighted. It's delighted that all this has been in vain and doesn't really want to uh, argue about it. There's no terror for such a mind. So the way through the meditative absorptions to insight is the way with less or with hardly any difficulty in accepting the absolute reality. Whereas it is possible to gain insight without these absorptions because the mind becomes calm anyway when it meditates long enough and becomes interested enough in its meditation subject even without going into the depths of absorption. But it is a difficult path. It is difficult because the mind revolts. It doesn't want to know about it. And because it doesn't want to know about it it also blocks off the insights very often. Whereas the completely happy A contented, peaceful mind would never block off an insight. On the contrary, it is perfectly willing and able to do it because it's wide open. It doesn't have any limitations at the time of the deep penetration. It has pliability, malleability. It is expandable and it has the softness so that it doesn't need to block off anything and it doesn't want to do that. This is the path that the Buddha took. The Buddha took the path through the meditative absorptions. It is considered to be the longer path. I wonder. I don't know whether one can actually give a time schedule for one's insights. I think that it is more likely that there are different types of people. One type that is more inclined towards the uh, peaceful, calm, and um, a gentle approach. And there is probably a type which is more inclined towards a um, dynamic, quick, and uh, forceful approach. This forceful approach naturally results in resistance. This is the approach of not going through the absorptions. The Buddha's instructions are again and again the same everywhere where we find them. To use this capacity of the mind in order to make the mind an entirely different of an entirely different quality so that it has no difficulty accepting the absoluteness of nobody there. To accept that takes courage and it takes a way of being able to let go of all concepts. To get into the absorptions is also necessary to let go of all concepts. And not only concepts of outer nature, but the concept of the ego has to be let go of to get into the absorptions. Naturally, the ego arises again after one comes out of meditation. But during that time, especially in the fourth one, to get to that state of the fourth one, it is necessary to let go of all ego concepts. So having had that experience (coughs) makes it much easier then, even though the ego comes back, makes it much easier then to come to that realization of the illusion. There are four non-material absorptions, which I will explain tomorrow. Too much at a time is not uh, useful. They are extension of the fourth one. And being extensions of the fourth one, in this dependent arising, there are only four, the first four mentioned, because the second four are extensions. The first three absorptions are not difficult. They are a matter of relaxing, letting go, not particularly wanting to be anything or anyone, not wanting to know anything particularly, just letting the mind relax, and actually go where it wants to go. Not that discursive thinking. That is a distraction. That's nothing but a distraction. That is getting away from what is really the subject on hand. It's more like a running away. But allowing the mind to settle down, to relax, to release itself from its conceptual thinking to release itself from all its potential worries and ideas and in the first instance stay with the meditation subject and in the second instance allow it to experience that which brings great happiness it is an interesting fact that when people do get into the meditative absorptions, they have no trouble experiencing the first, they have very little trouble experiencing the third, and they have lots of trouble experiencing the second. It is as if we didn't allow ourselves to have inner joy. It is a matter of actually coming to terms with the fact that inner joy exists within us. It is not something that it has to be brought to us. We've got it. We all we need to do is get in there and experience it and let go of everything that's covering it up. It is the kind of happiness that is actually part of purity. All the absorptions are, of course, based on purity even though it is momentary purity. As I explained this morning, the first five factors are the um, remedies for the hindrances. So while they are not uprooted, they are momentarily suspended. So whatever purity we can already attain in daily living helps us to get into the absorption. The purity that we can attain in daily living means that we are mindful of our thoughts and our reactions. And as we are mindful of them and let go of that, which is unwholesome and negative, it makes it easier and easier to have this uh, kind of meditative path. There is a path which is also taught particularly by the Burmese school of what they call pure insight but it is also based on gaining some calm during meditation and as I said already it is much more difficult although it's considered to be easier it's far more difficult than this This pathway as for primarily the resultant of keeping one, practicing and keeping one on this path because one realizes without a shadow of a doubt that there's nothing more wonderful that one can do. And that realization then makes daily life far easier to cope with it is no longer the the great burden it is no longer the difficulty that one has to surmount but it is nothing but the ordinary dukkha that is universally acceptable and that doesn't have to uh, impinge on one's consciousness in such a way that one feels unhappy about it. I think that's enough for tonight. I'll give you some time now to ask questions.
1: Uh, uh, This is very fascinating. I wish I understood some of it. Um, I'm wondering, in this path of absorption, um, is is life really less of a bother? Because I might uh, wonder if it's necessary to withdraw in order to experience um, original
0: mind? Is it necessary to withdraw?
1: Withdraw, like, it's just even exemplified by the, by the practice of closing one's eyes during, mm. during meditation. Then, wouldn't there be some sharp contrast between that peacefulness and...
0: Um, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um... Yeah, well, there is, yes. But the thing is, although you can't carry your meditational experience with you into daily life, you certainly carry a residue with you. And the residue that you carry with you sustains you. And as I explained this morning, the mind knows that it has a home where it can retreat to, just like the body can retreat to its home So the mind can retreat to its home. And uh, the contrast which you experience, although it is uh, extremely um, noticeable, it doesn't have any impinging quality because with the the, um, uh, absorptions, some insight arises that what happens out there Cannot possibly be of the same significance that one always thought it was. So it doesn't have that impinging quality anymore. It doesn't impinge on you in the same way it used to.
1: Is it possible
0: to practice both directions at once? Samatha and vipassana, or what? Um,
1: this is really getting hard for me, but I'm afraid if I don't ask it now, a year from now, I'll want to ask it, and you'll be in Sri Lanka. <laughs> um, the, um, realizing inner inner, um, inner activity is empty, mm-hmm. and if I'm not mistaken, the practice of, that we do is um, realizing also, I mean,
0: working um, on also phenomenal appearances
1: as being empty. Well, if you So that instead, so that you have the reaction that that Mm. this is not so solid, so that this this is not so solid.
0: Yes, well, what you're saying, I think, is, uh, is it possible to practice the samatha path, which are the absorptions, uh-huh. and gaining the insight, which is the vipassana, I've, is it possible to do both? Is that what you're saying? Well, Am I let's s- phrase it
1: that way into what you
0: say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, i I've not. I thought I was. Uh, I'm you not know, trying
1: to be tricky. I'm just trying to understand. It, yes,
0: but I thought I was, uh, you know, explaining your question. <laughs> um, yes, of course. And the way it works is that in the beginning, we need to very, very uh, uh, determinedly practice both because they they help each other. But when it is possible for the mind to have the absorptions, the insights arise uh, spontaneously. Having the experience of, as I, I gave the example of crossing the street and being almost run over, well, you have a spontaneous insight that in future you're going to have to watch, right? You don't have to think about it. It's spontaneous insight. So as you get into the absorptions of having the inner uh, joy, you know that the outer joy cannot match it. So you gain spontaneous insights. So it is, an, it is a, 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 yes, both have to work together. If it doesn't, then one is wasting one's time. It has to work together. Well, not quite wasting one's time, but one isn't doing what one's supposed to do. (laughs) Okay? Yes.
2: In the deep absorption, I keep coming back to the discursive thinking. Is it a matter of it, does it totally disappear? <laughs> totally? <coughs> well, my, my thinking was, is a matter of it totally disappearing or does it just loses solidity?
0: Well, in the beginning, it loses its solidity. And that's what's called upachara samadhi, neighborhood concentration. And that's when it's no longer necessary to either put a label on or even say thinking or anything because it is, the thinking at that time is like a cloud, sort of, very often it just feels as if it's back here. And uh, in front is a watching of the breath. And this is going on in the back. (laughs) And it's uh, totally immaterial. (laughs) Yes, something. I mean, it only feels like that. It's not truly like that. So that first, it loses its solidity. That's the first thing that happens. Once it has done that, then it is the next step is to be able to uh, even lose that (coughs) wispy kind of thinking, the wispy thought, and just be on the breath. And as you are just on the breath, then the mind. Eventually relaxes and absorbs into the breath and then the mind and breath are one and as they become one then the others arise the other states arise Thank you. Uh, one more
2: please yes. uh, you said at some point there's a the terror arises when you realize you're not the personality you think we are could
0: that be the first real experience of egolessness? It's a it's a result. It is quite uh, along the path of insight, and it is a result of experiencing uh, impermanence so strongly that there is that you re- that you find nothing to hang on to, and when you find nothing to hang on to. That is an experience of nobody there, but because it is covered over with this terror, it doesn't fruit. It doesn't have the fruition of the past moment. But
2: it's not the first grasping of the understanding of that. It's not.
0: The it's the first. first experience. It follows usually the first experience of finding nothing to hang on to, the terror. It doesn't always do that. there's not always terror. Its particularly there's no terror if you do it through the absorptions. you can't be full of terror when you're very happy, right? But you, can, you when you don't do it through the absorptions, but do, do it through more through an inside path, then it arises.
1: Thank you. okay. <coughs>
3: content mind, right? um, is is this automatic as one progresses through the absorption? So um, it's not something which you have to make special effort towards in the direction of like in doing more meta-meditations?
0: Um, no, not necessary. Uh meta meditation by the way is also very often an, an entry into absorption for for many people when they when they're able to be to open their heart to actually have that feeling I mean you can't
1: you
0: know, unlock it but you get that feeling of opening up it's very often an entry for it and the terror does not arise. So when you go through that through that way, uh, it is a feature of the um, person that goes more through the inside path.
3: Okay. And, yeah, the question was: uh, In your presentation, it was um, a description of um, these different absorptions. Could you um, say something or expound a little on it? This procedure or this uh, sequence follows experiential. Does it would this happen all in one city? Or no. is this something that takes many years or oh. does one finish with one absorption and then stop a out before going to the next?
0: Um one one and two and three uh, can follow each other very quickly, uh, if there's some guidance. Um, One and two arise actually together. You just have to be able to separate them then. And three is a natural progression. To get to the fourth one is difficult. It takes quite a bit of uh, time spent in meditation. And it takes, um, uh, well, people do it in courses, but very often, it takes uh, like a month's solitary retreat or something like that but I can't say about time I, it's impossible for me to say that some people I have had actually the experience which was very amazing to me that in a meditation course in Germany a girl who had never meditated before who didn't have any idea about the Buddha's teaching was able to do it in her very first meditation course, in a 10-day course. I've never seen a thing like that in my life.
2: She
0: people's I'm More than that. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I could hardly believe it. I didn't want to believe it, but this is not the teacher's uh, uh, way not to believe what people say. I mean, I can question, and the answers were totally correct. So this is an extreme case. And uh, she had never meditated. She didn't know anything about the Buddha's teaching. She came to this course just because she thought she should do something spiritual, and and she did, (laughs) and she managed. And then I have had people in my courses who've been meditating for 15 years, and have never even come near it. So, and anything in between. But I can't say.
3: And also, my last question is, is, there's nothing, uh, well, does one need to, can one do this without a teacher?
0: Um, Yes, one can. But it's a, a, a tedious, takes ten times as long, and uh, not as satisfying, because one never quite knows. No, know, one never quite knows whether one's doing it right. So in the end, one is, you know, sort of looking for somebody to say yes, it's correct or not. It can be done without a teacher, but it's much more difficult. Please put the attention on the breath for just a few moments. Imagine that your heart contains (coughs) nothing but golden light. And that this golden light comes from your heart and fills you from head to toe with its golden gleam, with its warmth, bringing you contentment and joy. And this golden light surrounds you, so you can sit in it and feel at ease and contented. Now let that golden light from your heart go to the person nearest you in this hall and fill him or her with its golden gleam, with its warmth, with contentment and joy and surround that person with that golden light, giving him or her a feeling of safety and security. let that golden light from your heart grow so that it can reach out to everyone here, filling everyone with the warmth from your heart, giving everyone a gift of joy and contentment and surrounding everyone with this golden light bringing your love, your compassion, now let that golden light from your heart reach out to your parents, filling them with the warmth from your heart, giving them contentment and joy, surrounding them with your love, giving them a feeling of security. Now think of those people who are nearest and dearest to you and let that golden light from your heart reach out to them, filling them with it, surrounding them with it, bringing your love and warmth to them. think of all your friends let the golden light from your heart reach out to them filling them with it bringing them your friendship and your love surrounding them with it bringing them a gift of contentment and joy and safety Think of all the people you have met here or there known to you or not let the golden light from your heart enlarge and reach out to all of them filling them with your friendship and your love and surrounding them with the warmth from your heart now think of all the people who live around the Abbey, in Pleasant Bay and in this area around here, whether you've seen them or not, whether you've met them or not, and let the golden light from your heart grow and expand so that it can reach out to all of these people, filling them with the warmth from your heart, your friendship and surrounding them with this light, giving them love and safety. Now let that golden light from your heart grow and expand so that it can be like a golden cloud over the whole of Nova Scotia. And the golden drops from this cloud to fall into everyone's heart, bringing them warmth, contentment, and security. Now put the attention back on yourself. Feel the warmth that comes from your heart surrounding you and filling you, bringing you contentment and joy. May beings everywhere have joy and contentment.